Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Today, Pastor Matt shares a bit of his personal story and how the baptism in Christ changes every part of our lives, even our national identity. Won't you open yourself to the Holy Spirit today and remember your baptism? Typically, we as pastors sit with a passage of scripture and we pray over it, we we learn from it, we research it, we and we put together a message that looks to bring forth to, to make sense of the scripture each week. To make it real in our lives. And sometimes, you know, we start off with maybe a symbol or a story. Sometimes it's personal, sometimes it's not at all. This week has been a whirlwind, overwhelming. And how this week started and how I expected this week to go did not at all pan out in that way. And it was the beginning of yesterday and maybe Thursday evening when I began being, feeling that I was being led to be a little bit more personal than usual. I'm not typically this personal thing, but at the, at the same time, I think it's sometimes important to hear stories. And my story that I'm gonna share with you today is directly related to the events of this past week. So let me tell you a little bit about myself. I grew up in Warren, Pennsylvania. Now, if you think Warren, Pennsylvania and Warren, Ohio are, are different cities, they are only by the amount of population. But for the most part, our cultures are very similar. We're very, very, we, heart, we, we work hard. We, we don't ask for help. We're prideful people. We don't look to, to ask for help ever. We often sometimes do so at our own peril. Family is important. Trust is important. We need to know people before we're willing to really listen to them. But also within the culture of this area and my hometown is, is also a very similar church culture. I grew up in a church of the Nazarene. The church of the Nazarene is... Well, we, we hold on to some things that, that, that some have left in other churches and things. I gave my life to Christ at a very young age, at the age of five. And I grew up in a church that was very clear on how to live the moral issues of our day, the political issues of our day. It was very clear. And I, being young, not always being entirely uh, cognizant of, of my influences, began to believe that a Christian looks like this kind of person who behaves this way and votes this way 
and is like this. That's what I that's how I began to form my my worldview. Hard work, personal responsibility. Social social issues, I would be as Bible thumping as one gets. And I've shared with you, if you've been here before, that I turned into this, what I like to call a judgmental Jesus jerk. I thought I was living out a Christian life because I believed in Christ and I believed in this certain way of living and I would do whatever it took for you to live that way. I'd debate you. I'd smack you over the head with scripture. I would call you out as much as possible. I was a jerk. I didn't realize I was a jerk. I had some friends later in life tell me that, you know, you were pretty insufferable in high school. That's a, that's a pretty, that's a pretty life-defining moment when you're told that you're insufferable. I had this calling to, to come into ministry when I was 16, and I thought that becoming a minister, becoming a pastor, whatever it might be, would look like, hey, winning other people over to this life that I had built up in my mind. I go to college, and there in college, it is a number of events that bring me back into the calling that I had. But one in particular moment that happened in college was a spiritual deepening week where we would have a special speaker come and speak in our chapel for three days. And I remember in particular, there was this moment in the midst of this spiritual deepening week that this, <laughs> this worldview that I had built for what a Christian life would be was dismantled. Because it was a worldview without love. It was just a worldview of morals. It was a worldview of behavior modification. It was a worldview that I must do everything right, and so does everybody else. And it was in this moment that I went to the altar and I remember experiencing something deeper. And after that moment, God began opening myself, my heart, my mind, to loving others, regardless of what they did. And it wasn't an overnight thing. In fact, it's, it's been a long however many years since then. That would be, oh, 15 years ago, yeah. And in that, I've come to the realization that the worldview that I had when I was a teenager is very similar to the worldview that many of us in the American evangelical church have. We are forgiven of our sins, and then we take up a new moral system. 
That's, for many of us, that is what a Christian life is. And this moral system is a mixture of things. Some things are Christian. Some things are not Christian at all. And one of the things that often we bring with us in the transformation is certain identities. Identities that actually lead us down paths that are sinful. And if those identities aren't transformed, we will find ourselves allowing those identities to supersede the love that Christ has called us to be. And those identities often ask us to become culture warriors, soldiers, willing to go out and speak truth no matter how it affects, no matter if we have hate in our hearts, no matter how much it oppresses others, we become judgmental Jesus jerks. And what I saw in this past week is the fruits of the American evangelical church not being clear on something. We have not been clear about how our identities are transformed in Christ and how we must die to ourselves. It's not just confessing sins. We must die to ourselves and be raised anew in the transformation of the Holy Spirit. And there are some identities that we have brought along with us that we said that's okay. And because we have done that, we saw what we saw on Wednesday. We saw what we saw throughout all of human history. I was highly disturbed as an angry mob went, you've seen all the pictures, I don't need to rehash it. But what's most disturbing to me is that this angry mob among them had signs of Jesus saves and had this Christian flag with them. Somebody put up a cross and then just a little bit further down the way, somebody put up a noose. The juxtaposition between the cross and the noose is pretty significant. And the reason why those two stood next to each other, why those people felt like they were justified in doing that, was because they brought an identity with them that has not been transformed in Christ. On Wednesday, on social media, I said that this was not Christian. And then I actually said this was not American. But I want to retract that. Because if you actually look throughout our history as Americans, that is us. That's us. We have a history in this country of resorting to violence when we don't get our way. We resort to the destruction of other people, of property, of life. 
And there's plenty of examples. The inception of this country was filled with violence, death, and destruction. I grew up learning, you know, almost idolizing and the, the Boston Tea Party, not really recognizing that, oh, this is, yeah, this is pretty much par for the course for us as Americans. This is what we do. When we see things going in ways that we don't like or that don't go with our belief system, we, we mob, we riot, we turn violent, we turn destructive. How does a cross get put up in the middle of violence? How does war get justified by Scripture? In Acts chapter 19, Paul is in Ephesus. And there are a number of people who were baptized, but something was off. Something wasn't right. They had repented and turned away from the things that they did before, but they seemed to lack something. And I think it's within this that we will begin to find out that maybe we've been baptized and we've repented We've turned away from sin, but we did not necessarily allow God to do his good work in us. That's what we read. While Paulus was in Corinth, Paul took a route through the interior and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you came to believe? They replied, we've not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Then he said, what baptism did you receive then? And they answered, John's baptism. Paul explained, John baptized with a baptism by which people showed they were changing their hearts and lives. It was a baptism that told people about the one who was coming after him. This is the one in whom they were to believe. This one is Jesus. After they listened to Paul, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in other languages and prophesying. Altogether, there were about 12 people. There were a number of people who seemed to be following the way, adopted a new life, turned from their sin. But they were baptized by John and not in the name of the Lord Jesus. They had not received a work that transformed them. I think what this passage looks to show us is that sometimes we can turn away from our old lives, but not necessarily turn to Christ and the Holy Spirit in our new life. Baptism is a sacrament which represents us dying to ourselves and being raised anew in Christ. 
guided by the Holy Spirit. Transformed completely in it. And I've seen, and I grew up (laughs) in this belief system that you work your hardest to be as Jesus was after you ask for forgiveness. But the Holy Spirit is the one that does that. It's not our own work. It's not a a system of beliefs. It's not a morality. It's, It's a continual transformation of our lives by God to live as he would have us live. And so everything must be transformed. Everything must be transformed. Not just our belief system, not just our actions, but the identities that we have called ourselves in the past as well. Those things must be transformed, or what will happen is is we will have some kind of Frankenstein life that says we believe in Jesus, and yet we will accept this or that and these and those that do not look like Christ at all. And sadly, something that we have not done in the evangelical church has spoke, we have not spoken to the dangers of our national identity remaining the same after we have received Christ. We haven't. So what happens when you just really like where you live and you really like the way things are, or maybe the ways that we have been. But make no mistake, the American identity asks us to be violent with people who we find to become oppressive. We find to be lying. We find to be doing wrong. That is the American experience. And if we are willing to bring this American experience with us in such a way that we find ourselves holding it up here, and we hold Jesus just a little bit higher, more than likely this is going to overtake Jesus. It has to be transformed. Where you and I live does not define who we are in Christ. Our baptism is what defines us. God is what defines us. His love is what defines us. Him setting us apart from the ways of the world is what defines us. And too many of us are bringing forth our identities on the other side of the baptism. Oftentimes you hear it from pastors like sin. We're so, we we like to talk about sin, but we don't like to talk about the worldviews and the things that we're willing to do 
that aren't in line with Christ. It's easier that way. It's easier to talk about how people, how people are oriented and, and, and who they're attracted to. And it's, it's far easier to talk about people who kill others and steal from others and lie to others. It's far easier instead to look at others instead of look at ourselves. And if we really look at ourselves, if we remain in the American experience, in the American identity, every single one of us is a breath away from being one of those people on the mall, from being one of those people in the riots, from being one of those people who look to to realities that are not factual to define the way we see the world. We are a breath away from that. And it's time that we repent. It's time that we turn away from our identities, whether it be American or whether it be skin color, whether it be <laughs> our how our orient, our preference, and yes, our sin. It's time to turn away from those and allow it to be transformed in Christ. It's time. And I must admit, I must confess that I am sorry that I have not said this yet in our four years together. I'm sorry. Because this is what we have been called to do in this by God. You know, there's a reason why Paul had the audacity in Galatians to say this. Listen to this. This, this, is, this is really letting go of the identities that have defined us and accepting our baptism above all things. Galatians 3. You are all God's children through faith in Christ Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. Nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. These lines of divisions these identities that we have given ourselves are transformed to only be people baptized in Christ Jesus. And yes, that includes national identities. That does include sexual orientations. That does include sinful nature. That does include our racial divisions. That includes all of it. And if we are not defined by our baptism, we will be defined by the other identities that we have brought with us. And so you and I must repent and turn from them and give them to Christ and allow them to be transformed. Because being a Christian does not mean you're American. 
Being a Christian does not mean that you are a particular political party. I think some of us believe that. I really do. I hear it. I hear it in how some of us talk. Well, once you're baptized, you start voting for this party in particular. No! We must die to ourselves in our baptism. Not just sin, ourselves. And we must be raised anew. And with that comes an ability to see the world as Jesus sees it. To see that our country is not better than any other country. It's not. We are not better than anyone else. I tr trust me. The sin in this country is just as bad as sin in the other countries. We do not have more value than another human being. We are disciples of Christ who loves every single person regardless of what sin they have, regardless what nationality they are, regardless what citizen they are. And if we hold on to our national identity with this amazing universal love that Christ has done, what we will do is we will think that Christ loves people like me more than others. And we'll find ourselves being people of conflict, people willing to go to war, people who are not peacemakers, but rather people who are, well, violent, willing to go to war for the beliefs that we have. That's what we've always done. How, how many days has it been since we've been without military conflict, friends? It's been a long time. It's who we are. And until we turn from that and be transformed into a, a love, a holiness that sees the the. the beloved status that God has given to every single one of us, we will not live faithfully and we will be defined by the other identities instead of the baptism that we've been given. You might be wondering, why? Why is this so important? Why is this part of our identity so important to give to God to be transformed. After all, I've heard pastor after pastor talk about how great it is to be an American Christian. And I think that's what it is, friends. We've had decades of teaching that I grew up in that emphasized a turning to Jesus, but didn't give us 
a life to turn to. They gave us rules. They gave us morals. They gave us principles. They gave us a religious system. But it's deeper than that. It's it's giving yourself to the Spirit so that you see others who are not like you as God sees them. Because otherwise, our American identity will kick in and look to fight, to look to go to war, to look to do the things that hurt others. And the reason why I know this is because when I saw the events on Wednesday, I saw angry young men who looked just like I did before I had a change of heart. What scares me is that I saw myself, my, my old self, and even some of the self that is still within me today in those people. And if I'm capable of that, that, that means that many of us in the church who grew up with this hard sense of right and wrong and personal responsibility without the work of the Spirit can be just like that. We can become crusaders. Friends, nobody looks back at the crusades in church history and says, we need to be that again. And neither should we be looking at how we've been going about our, bapti our baptized life with our principles and with our wars and with our battles. Jesus has won the ultimate battle, friends. We have the opportunity to live in that reality and be transformed into the disciples that he wants us to be. So friends, remember your baptism not just the time that you went underwater, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if, friends, you have yet to experience that transformation, that, that amazing holy love that sees people as God sees them, won't you give yourself to him completely? and allow him to transform you today. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope that you are inspired by this week's message. Because of the current pandemic, our services are limited to an online presence. You can join us on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.